Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, folks. 2020 has, to put it mildly, presented some challenges for all of us. You know, the good news, our patrons' numbers are still growing, almost daily. I truly, truly cannot thank all of you enough for your support. It's been overwhelming. And for those of you who've had to reassess your budgets, please know, I totally get it. And I will always be grateful for your belief in this program and the power of great content. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tack box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Our patrons make all of this possible. The funds are specifically designated only for overhead. They literally keep the MP3s rolling. Meanwhile, the patrons-only After Dark Facebook Live and Zoom meetings each month truly have been a fabulous success. Conversation, support, laughter, some education, some mentorship, lots of encouragement, and even, randomly, the occasional adult beverage. So click the link at www.puredogtalk.com and become a patron today. Your small contribution helps make a huge voice for purebred dogs. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I love my science geek out moments that I get to have with the guys at Embark. And we're going to get to have another one today. We are talking to Adam Boyko, who is the chief science officer, one of the brothers who founded this DNA genetic testing company. And I'm very excited to talk with Adam specifically about some of the benefits that we are able to accrue to our breeding programs from doing the genetic DNA testing. And that, I think, is a pretty cool topic. So welcome, Adam. How are you doing? Great, great. Thanks for having me, Laura. Excellent. So let's talk about, just kind of rattle off some of the things that, just the basic concept of genetic DNA testing that is still, I think, relatively new to people. And the basic benefits, and then we can talk about an example, which I think you guys have just brought online that is fascinating. Yeah, so for people with purebred dogs, there's really three important reasons to do genetic testing. The first is the health component that you get from genetic testing. So in almost every purebred line, there are inherited disorders that we can test for today. And so it's good to get that peace of mind. It's good to know if a dog is a carrier for something, if you're planning on breeding it. And it's good to know if it's at risk of something, so you know what to look out for, you know if there's a special diet you should be feeding it, or you know what sort of environment you should have that dog in. Secondarily, you've also got genetic traits, which scientists have learned a lot about. So you might want to know what sort of coat colors the dog carries. If you were to breed it, what would you expect the litter proportions to be? You know, and it's not just coat color, it's also coat type. 
mm-hmm. stature, all of that kind of stuff. And then finally, inbreeding, right. which is something that you know breeders have really been interested in a lot, and they've been traditionally using pedigree-based methods to do it. But now that we have genomic information, you can actually much, much more accurately measure inbreeding, predict inbreeding of different crosses, and see the effect that inbreeding has on the health and longevity of dogs. And so it really should be another breeding decision that breeders use, another metric, as they're trying to balance all the different things that they're trying to get in their lives. Right. Well, and I, as you know, just DNA'd this entire litter of 13 puppies. I did an embark test on 13 German wirehair pointer puppies. That is a lot of swabbing. <laughs> it is a lot of swabbing. And as a matter of fact, one of them, we were worried about him because he was the littlest one. And then he had some like food retained that got on the swab. And of course, his swab was contaminated. And we're like, damn it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so my point, though, that I found fascinating is I'd always known this. You guys talk about it. Everybody talks about it. Well, just because they're litter mates doesn't mean that their actual genetic coefficient of inbreeding is the same. That's right. So they'll all have approximately the same. You're not going to have one sibling be 10% and one be 40%. I'm telling you, I have so far 27% and 18%. Yep. So that sort of range Yeah. is because you're just shuffling chromosomes together and healing them out. Right. And so, you know, this dog is going to get three pairs and this dog is going to get seven pairs, right? Right. And I think it's just fascinating. And the reason I think it's fascinating is I still got a couple to come in yet. But the one that's 27% is the one, this was a half brother, half sister breeding. So this was where I was like, I really want to track this because this is a different particular breeding method than I've used previously. I've always gone a little looser than that. And the one that has the highest percentage so far is the one that I said is a clone. She could be her grandmother, the bitch that they're doubled (laughs) up on. No, for real. To the markings, to the head, to the coat, to the attitude, to everything. She could be the bitch they're doubled up on. Wow. Nice. Nice. (laughs) And because I'm so freaking genius, the puppy that I kept to put in my breeding program is the one that's at 18%. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I see. Yes, scored. <laughs> oh, great. That's yeah. great to hear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, think I, that, I mean, I think that's surprising for people who have just dealt with pedigree COI, where all the litter is going to be identical. Right. And typically those values are a lot lower because the pedigree only goes back a certain number of generations and then makes this assumption that all the founders in the pedigree are unrelated, mm-hmm. which we all know isn't true because all the founders of the pedigree are all in the same breed. So they are related. And so genetic COI can push back further and look at that deeper relationship that's harder to measure with a pedigree. And again, it's harder to estimate. I just think it is fascinating. And I loved the opportunity to get to do this on an entire litter, particularly this one, that it was this different breeding plan. Right. So talk to us a little bit. I mean, the health piece, not every breed has 180 health things. I mean, you test for 180. Right. Most breeds you're talking about somewhere between like two and 10. Yeah. We've got three, I think. It's just much more efficient to have one test that works for all dogs rather than trying to separately design tests for different dogs. And then you just wind up running multiple tests per dog and then the costs add up. So it's much better to screen for everything. Well, and it's more cost effective for the people. 
Absolutely. And so you can screen for the stuff that we know is in your breed and we know is an important. And oh, by the way, it's also getting screened for other stuff. And sometimes really interesting discoveries we made where we didn't think that this was actually in a certain breed and then find it. Or this is the kind of screen, there's some breeds that are looking to open their stud books because they don't have much diversity. And you really do want to do that screen for all the known inherited disorders before you do that. Because the last thing you want to do is introduce a new genetic disorder into the line. Let's just make that more fun. Right. (laughs) The traits part to me is fun. Like I know that there are breeds for which that it's a huge deal, but for me, it's fun to look at oh, it says it's going to have a long nose or it's going to weigh 57 pounds instead of 58 pounds or whatever. <laughs> I just think that is, to me, a fun piece of it. And yes. with application, certainly, if you know that you have a black Labrador, now you don't have to look for the white hairs to know that it carries yellow, right? I mean, That's right. That's right. You'll know, am I going to get an all-black litter? Am I going to get a rainbow litter? You know, <laughs> if I cross it with this dog. And it takes a lot of that guesswork out. Right. You know, of course, we got into this because we were really interested in the research aspect and making new discoveries. And so using an array that's looking at hundreds of thousands of markers where we can then cooperate different phenotypic associations and say, ah, ah, we found the gene that does this. And that's one of the reasons why we got into it. And, you know, like we made this discovery of blue eyes and Siberian huskies. Yeah. And you want to test for that variant because it's not completely penetrant. Oh, interesting. And so you're... Siberian Husky might carry the blue-eyed gene and might not be blue-eyed or heterochromatic, but might happen to be the one in 10 that is brown-eyed, but it's still going to be sending off that blue-eyed gene. So the litter is going to still have blue eyes, you know, but you wouldn't have known that you had it without genetic testing. So the fact that there is some randomness in what's actually being expressed, but if you're going to propagate it, you want to know through genetic testing. Right, right, right. One of my favorite things that I am hopeful, and I know I talked to John about this. I'm not entirely sure I talked to you about it. I would love it if we could figure out how to do markings in German wire hair pointers. So not just we know they're brown, but I want to know spotted, like liver and white spotted, right? Versus ticked, like coat patterning. And that is like, you know what? You guys can figure that out for my 13 puppies. Ooh, that would be so cool. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And so that's definitely an area that we're looking into all of these kind of different spotted or ticked or roamed kind of phenotypes and what's going to bring German wire hair pointed spots versus Dalmatian spots. Yes. There's some shared genetics there, but there's clearly some different genetics there. Right. And disentangling all that is really interesting for many different reasons. And the genes that are going to wind up being associated with it might be implicated in other kinds of pigmentation or other conditions. So it's right. from a scientific standpoint, it's really interesting too, not just from a curiosity and dog breeding standpoint. Right. And how do I want my dog to look? And can this person with their ticked bitch breed to my spotted dog and get for sure ticked puppies? Right. I mean, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, my understanding from the preliminary analysis is that the ticking locus is dominant. So the expectation would be that the litter would all be ticked, but that doesn't mean that we understand every single genetic interaction. And until you actually like physically fine map the variant and study it in diverse populations and diverse breedings, you're not really going to know for sure. So I would like to have my puppy's DNA donated for science. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely as they grow up and the pigmentation solidifies and becomes more clear, 
upload photos because that's something that we also use to help. So I think this is important for listeners. So if I upload, for example, pictures of each of these puppies, do you guys go in and look at them randomly? Or I should say, or the listener should say, go look at these pictures. And what does that tell you? So not randomly, but let's say we have a researcher that is interested in spotting patterns. So one of the first things they're going to do is select breeds of interest. So maybe this is Dalmatian, and maybe this is German wire-haired pointer. They're going to pick a few that have the markings that they're interested in. Right. We can select from the database dogs that have uploaded photos. Ah. And so they can have their own scoring criteria. Right. And they can go through and they can score each one of the dogs for that phenotype. Love and we it. can actually have somebody else go and rescore some of them so that we can look at inter-observer reliability and all that kind of stuff. And then that's going to be the basis now of doing a genetic association analysis and say, okay, so the dogs that were scored as ticked on whatever scale versus the dogs that were scored as roamed on whatever scale, mm-hmm. what's the genetic difference between these two populations? Right. Where does that fall on that allele? Right. And so then that'll give us, we call it an association study. So basically it'll give us the zip code in the genome. where that causal mutation lies. And then it's all hypothesis testing. So we will take sequence data now, we'll look at every single mutation in that region, and we'll say, okay, we think it could be this one or this one or this one. And then Mm -hmm. this is where we do all the really clever stuff, which is we have this huge population of mixed breed dogs now. Right. And so we can look at, okay, well, here's a Dalmatian mix that has this variant, but not that variant. And here's one that has that variant, but not this variant. Uh, or a cattle dog or a German white hair pointer or whatever. Short hair, and right. So all those things. Mixes where we've shuffled up the DNA and put them in weird combinations, we can say, ah, this mutation that disrupts this gene is actually segregating and predictive in all of these crosses. So this is probably what the cause variant is. And now we can offer a test. Awesome. Because you can't do that for something if the trait is fixed with the gene. Right, listeners. That's like news right there. That's the whole beauty is you could use the purebred dogs where we've selected for these really cool traits and stereotyped them mm-hmm. to kind of identify the region of the genome that this lies because you have this signature of selection and differentiation. Right. But to really get down to the nitty gritty, you have to look at this big population of dogs, mostly mixed breed dogs, where we've shuffled up the DNA and then found the few that had those recombinant phenotypes that you can say, yeah, this is what's predicting it. See, I tell you what, listeners, we just made science news right here. (laughs) (laughs) Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products, while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, They're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, 
and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. But I think all of that goes to really talking about the matchmaker service that you guys have just recently brought online and not for all breeds, right? Just for a few breeds yet? Yeah, so we're trying to roll it out to a manageable number of breeds first and then grow it as we improve the interface. Right, right. That makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to give you my layman's understanding, see if I got this right, okay? Basically, it lets you take your female that you're looking to breed and do like the bachelor or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. right. (laughs) Bachelor number one, bachelor number two, bachelor number three. Swipe left. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which one's going to give me that best thing that I'm looking for, whatever that thing is that I want. Yeah. And it's not that we're trying to optimize on a single thing, but we're trying to screen across as much genetic stuff as we can in a simple way so that the breeder can incorporate that information along with all the other information. You know, I'm trying to get a dog that has this temperament or has this gait or, you know, whatever specifics you're trying to breed into the line. And now for the dogs that you're interested in, let's look, okay, well, for this dog, it's a carrier for EIC and my dog's a carrier for EIC. So that's out. There goes EIC puppies. You know, for this dog, they're not shared carriers for anything, but the expected litter COI would be 30%. And for this other dog, that would also be acceptable. The expected COI is only going to be 15%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that case, I'll probably try to prefer the lower COI litter Mm -hmm. unless there was, again, like a shared carrier for factor seven or something like that, where we probably want to avoid producing affected puppies. Right. So you said a thing just a little bit ago, and I'm going to go squirrel on you here. (laughs) You want to breed a certain temperament. So talk about what can you look for? What tests can you run that talk about temperament? So that's the art of being a breeder, right? We don't know the genetics behind all of these really cool behaviors. We don't know what's the gene for pointing. I mean, we know there's a genetic basis to it, but no geneticist on the planet right now can look at a dog's DNA and say, oh, this dog's going to be a good pointer and this dog's not going to be a good pointer. See, that's what I need you guys to find. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll get there at some point. And the more dogs we test and the more dogs that we have results from trials and things like that, where we actually have third-party validated, this dog really is good at pointing, you know, versus you trying to train this dog. It just doesn't have it. (laughs) It spits on the bird. I've seen a few of those. It kind of (laughs) goes, Then we'll be able to figure that out. You know, I'm hopeful. It might not be the first thing we go for. We're looking at a lot of other complex things like cancer and hip dysplasia and right. things that lots of people are interested in there too. Right. But from a scientific standpoint, you know, like how do you get a new behavioral phenotype as stereotyped as you can get in some of these pointing breeds? You know, and right. we don't really understand the 
genetics of cognitive behavior that well. Maybe this is actually a really good model for understanding how genes influence the brain. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I'm saying. If there's any grant officers out there listening, let me know. Yeah, I've got a good audience. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> so genetics is going to tell you some parts. And we hope over time, genetics will be able to give more and more information. But, you know, always there's going to be an art to it. And there's going to be we knowledge hope. that goes beyond genetic knowledge that's going to inform what is a good breeding thing. But we're just trying to give the tools where it's easy to evaluate what the genetics say. Like, are there any red flags here that we definitely shouldn't cross these dogs? Are there any yellow flags where maybe I want to prefer a different dog if possible? But it's not a red flag, and if I absolutely need to do this cross for this generation, that's going to be okay. Getting that information digestible and as accurate and comprehensive as possible is sort of the goal here. Yeah, I think that accurate and digestible, you know, I think that's important for people to know they can rely on it and that they can understand what they're getting. Right. So talk to me. I know you guys talk about this some. If people have questions, if people just want to talk to a human, We have humans that work at Embark. (laughs) In our days of COVID, what's the best way to arrange that? First of all, we've been working on trying to develop more educational content and a help center. And so familiarizing yourself with that as much as possible makes sense. But always there's going to be some kind of off the wall or corner case questions. It's generally best to email because then the question can get shunted to the right person, right? Like right. If this is the question that really should be handled by a DVM. That's not the first person that picks up the phone when you call in. And you <laughs> exactly. Take longer to get into the right hands if you do that. Obviously, if it's a question about logistics, where's my package or something like that, a quick phone call can usually settle that. But, you know, definitely if it's something that you need to talk out, feel free to call in. We'll try to get the right person on the phone or at least escalate it and you'll get an email or a time to talk to somebody. Right. We understand that nobody here was born understanding genetics and that there's a learning curve behind understanding the results, then applying them appropriately. And we definitely don't want people misinterpreting the genetic results and making suboptimal decisions that are going to have ramifications later on. Right. Well, that sort of genetic counseling is super valuable and I appreciate that it's available. It may sometimes take a little while to get to the right person, but for folks that are really trying to get answers to those kind of nitty gritty problems, it's good. Yeah, you know, and a lot of times a veterinarian can help out, but not all vets are trained on these things. So we understand that there's sometimes you really do have to talk to a geneticist. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. All right. Well, Adam, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know you guys have been busy out there. Stay safe. Yeah, it's been an exciting time. We've got lots of studies in the works right now, so hopefully we'll have a lot more to talk about next time. (laughs) Excellent. I'm so excited. Well, I'm telling you, I want to talk about the behavior science. To me, that is one of the most fascinating things I can think about. Yeah, we've got a new scientist that joined that's looking at some of these behavioral phenotypes, and it's kind of, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, you stay safe and stay healthy, Adam. You too. Thanks, Laura. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. 
If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 